Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's rewards. Must be 21 or older. Hey, it's your old pal Dave. Dave Damashek here. Real quick before we jump into things to talk about Franco Harris and give you our best bets and beyond. We're hitting the road. We've been mentioning it here over the last couple of weeks. Extra points live. Propapalooza. All extra points talent is going to be there for a meet and greet and a live podcast at the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club in Las Vegas. Monday, January 9th from 2 to 3.30. And then immediately after, stick around and watch the College Football National Championship with us. Extra points live, Propapalooza. Get your tickets on sale at Ticketmaster and Vegas.com. And don't forget, the day before that, the last regular season weekend of the NFL, we're going to be at the Kimmel Comedy Club all day long. Week 18, watch with us, 10 to 4.30. And then right after that, Megan Gailey's going to hit the stage at the Kimmel Comedy Club. Again, the tickets, you can get those at Ticketmaster and Vegas.com. And now, Eddie Spaghetti, let's get into 32 and beyond. Gary Bradshaw. Giving the ball to Franco through the middle, down over the 15 to 10, the 5, touchdown Pittsburgh. They opened it up down the middle, and the big guy went straight ahead through the hole. He knocked them loose in every direction, over the 15, the 10, the 5, and right in there to score. And the Steelers go on the board with a TD. How about that one? Big hole on the trap play, and the only man who had a chance to stop him was Aaron Cow, the cornerback at the three-yard line, who has been missing tackle after tackle today on the big plays. And Franco would not be stopped. He galloped through their legs, pumping high, racing 22 and a half yards to pay dirt. The terrible towel has done it again. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Not the immaculate reception. Franco didn't have an immaculate career, but he did have one of the all-time great careers for a pro football player a running back a trailblazer a guy who really did as dumb as it may sound to outsiders looking in a football team on the banks of the three rivers by playing well and playing a certain way really did boost the morale of an entire region that was down in the dumps when the 70s started and by the time 1980 rolled around it was the city of champions Hail and uh, in your honor, we do this show. Franco Harris, go get those Raiders Steelers on Saturday night. Hi, hello, and happy holidays, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three, as always, presented by Omaha. Eddie Spaghetti is off in Staten Island, licking his wounds after his Rangers went down to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday night. He'll try to bounce back from that spiritually and otherwise. And there is Kevin Hench sitting in his manse atop Hollywood making all decisions for what you're going to look at in 2023 on your TV. Make sure you check out the Santa Clauses available on Netflix. Is that right, Hench? That's where you got to check it out. Disney Plus. Disney Disney Plus. Plus. I'm sorry. Yes. Great stuff there. Penned in part by our guy, Kevin Hench. Let's jump into all of it. What's the poop there, Hench? Happy holidays to you. Uh, Thank you. Right back at you. I, you know, it's funny as a neutral, I was gutted when I saw that Franco headline and then you go, Oh, if I'm this bummed, I can't imagine, you know, what Steeler fans are going through. And obviously, you know, the NFL network's been playing the promo on a loop for the 50th anniversary. I I can't remember anything like it. I is so, it's so brutally sad, um, you know, for for him and the city, uh, you know, how how are you holding up? I'm sure you've talked about it uh, all week. 
It is it is weird and maybe it uh you know it makes it, it speaks to my uh arrested development uh, forever uh 13 years old or whatever but I I you know I don't get the sense that this is a uh, something that uh only I'm feeling right now I think uh, you know a million people at least in um in southwestern Pennsylvania are feeling similar it, it's very strange as much as we talk about it and kind of make fun of ourselves and everything else that these guys who are relative strangers to us have such an impact on us positively and negatively they can cause you to get bummed out and they can give you great joy and you bask in that reflected glory and the people of Pittsburgh who had not had a break in decades, just about literally collectively, the town was down. The 70s fixed all that and how. And it really did start with that immaculate reception. I do think I, I hear what you're saying about the, the NFL Network stuff. I just saw on Thursday a commercial that's still playing like, bum, ba-da, bum, ba-da, bum, bum. hey, let's celebrate the immaculate reception. Might want to update the promos over there. there there's I, I, uh, Franco, there's a new factor here. Franco was on my TV running into the end zone every time I looked up yesterday. You know, obviously they've bought the spots already. They're just running all over cable, um, you know, and and I mean, look, it you know, you still got to honor the guy, uh, maybe now more so than ever. Um, let me ask you this, because I do think, you know, part of the reason Red Sox Nation will never recover from the Mookie Betts thing is not just the Hall of Fame career he will continue to have in Los Angeles, but just indisputably, inarguably a great human being. I just, you know, everyone who met him was improved by knowing him, worked in the community. And, and it's like, yeah, I get the same sense. Everybody who who tells their their Franco Harris story, it, it's delightful. Like just like a very warm person who I you know for for a chilly city, it's a warm city. You know, I I feel like the the people of Pittsburgh are the salt of the earth, and that Franco just just embodied that uh, perfectly. So I think you know our pain is it commensurate not just to how great they were on the field. It's a feeling of knowing that these are good people. Uh, hmm. True. I think that's right. And, you know, it's very easy for me to get platitudinous and you hear it not with just a big time football player, but when most anybody passes, you hear people get maybe a little over their skis with the, uh, with the, the language about that. It really does feel true where Franco Harris is concerned consistently in the range of people that weighed in Two us presidents, Joe Biden and Barack Obama, both, you know, taking a moment to, to honor Franco Harris. And as I say, it's hard to separate as a Pittsburgh kid growing up. You know, I missed the Immaculate Reception and all that, but I caught the tail end of um, of, of the glory there. Um, and, you know, combine that with Pop Stargell and the family winning the World Series in the same year and that it it meant something. And not just because I was a little kid, it meant something to grownups, too, that the Pittsburgh heroes bradshaw and and uh pops were on the cover of sports illustrated with just some random steel workers my grandfather was one of those people and the homage to the city and what the city was about and that vibe and i guess you know again people got platitudinous about it nationally about blue collar appreciates a certain kind of ball but where franco was concerned it was a perfect counterpoint um 
to Tony Dorsett and uh, Roger the Dodger and the Splash and Dash, Dallas Cowboys, America's team. And then you had the grit and the grime and and the, the hard hits and Mean Joe and Jack Lambert without his teeth. But amidst all that, there was Franco Harris, who I remember even I remember sitting in Three Rivers. Sal asked me earlier today on Extra Points, what's my favorite uh, Franco yarn? And um, uh, the thing I remember about it was, you know, everybody rewrites history. Everybody loved Muhammad Ali by their recollection in retrospect. But in fact, if you were there, you a lot of people were Joe Frazier guys and wanted to see the former Mr. Clay get whipped um, in a softer way, in a gentler way. I remember sitting in Three River Stadium with all the the Yinzer cynics and, and a fair percentage. It would be like, Dave. Franco didn't run hard, dude. He doesn't run hard. That dude, he dances around too much. He's afraid to get hit, dude. We need somebody who bangs around in there better. He's a he dances around. And I remember Uncle Scott. We sat there, and that's what I come back to all the time is what sports, and in particular, these black and gold teams on the banks of the three rivers always consistently bring me back to is doing stuff with my family and watching these teams gathered around a TV or in a stadium or in an arena to watch these teams play. And we sat four in the front, my old man, uncle Mike, uncle Scott, and sometimes Poppy. And sometimes my mother, one time aunt Roberta went, but then they lost the Steelers did. And so pop up, my father said, she can't ever come back. And we all laughed. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding around. She's a jinx. We can't have, we can't bring somebody who brings down the Steelers. And, and he really, she wasn't allowed to go back. And then my sister, Amy and I sat the row behind there. And I remember people doing that. Like, stay Franco. He danced around. He jump out of bonds. He don't get the first down enough. And he's scared of getting hit and everything. And I remember uh, uncle Scott in the, this is in the tail end of Franco's career. He goes, Hey, Franco's danced his way to 12,000 yards and I loved it. And that was exactly right. The cynicism goes out the window. Now I hail Franco, the man and living with and carrying around for a half a century, the most iconic play and always embracing it, never stiff arming it. Like he did that Raiders DB who tried to push him out of bounds instead celebrating it with the people to whom it meant so much that play. Cause it really reversed the trajectory of this, uh, heretofore bum franchise and turned it into the greatest dynasty of the 20th century. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm sad he doesn't get to be there for that. It's it's a cruel twist, but let's go get them Raiders. That's what I say um, about that. It's interesting. couple thoughts uh, on, on Uncle Scott's point. Not only does he dance his way to 12,000 yards, but I was surprised, do, you know, doing my deep dive, uh, Still the all-time Super Bowl rushing leader, which when you yeah. think about how every record has been broken, right? Every record. It's like that guy, still the all-time leading Super Bowl rushing leader with like 350 yards rushing in the Super Bowl, obviously won an MVP in the Super Bowl. I Now I want to go back in time and slap those fans who, in the midst of winning Super Bowls in a dynasty, still found it in there. So it's like, man, we got to bitch about this guy. Uh, this integral in the midst of, of it, it's the in best. The midst right. of the run. Um, but so, if you think about it now, like the way the game has evolved, right? Okay, if you use Franco's gliding, not taking the extra hit, and Earl Campbell always taking the extra hit. And, and, you know, sort of those the two things. Now, when you watch games, right, you know, 
for these 18 possible inches uh, that, that you might get, right? When it's essentially the play's over or you're at the boundary, you can step out of bounds or you can get hit out of bounds, right? It's like, you see these moments where like, all that can happen now, you can get hurt and you can fumble. You're not breaking this for a touchdown, right? You know, so now I think Franco kind of was a trailblazer because now I think we're like, um, you've exhausted all the good things that can happen on this play. So feel free to just, you know, gently go out of bounds. Now, if you're Mark Ingram, feel free to go 12 inches and you're <laughs> leading, right. the, leading the division on its way to the playoffs. But, you know, so it's like, I remember, obviously remember that I'm a little older than you. So I remember that, that rap on Franco and it's like, uh, yeah, they're having another parade. I know, like, what, what, what's your point? He goes out of bounds. We don't win enough Super Bowls anyway. Uh, but, but I, I love that everybody, uh, my, my buddy, Jack Burdett was just telling a, a very funny story with Franco Harris and Alec Baldwin. And it just seems like everybody who interacted with the guy, big, warm smile. And, and so I think that does impact the way we feel about them. It's like, you know, Tom Brady's a weirdo and obviously changed the culture of New England and is the greatest of all time. But when I think about, well, what am I, why, why I don't have to worry about that. That guy's going to live a hundred years beyond me. But in, in the event that he went before me, um, you know, I don't, it, it, it we'd, we'd tip the cap and honor the legacy, but I'm not sure great human being is going to be on that guy's uh, Canton hmm. list. You know, I just doesn't like, it, it's too much of an automaton. I don't know. I don't know what kind of a soul there is there. Uh, whereas like Mookie Betts, you're like, Hey man, this, the, the Red Sox, you know, just, just won the series. Where's Mookie. He's out feeding the homeless anonymously, like just hmm. it's a great human being. So I don't know. I, I, you know, my take, my sense about Franco is he's more in the latter category, just, just a warm bulwark of the community. Well, they always say, you know, that with politicians or rich people like, yeah, he was born on third base or he was born at the one yard line and think he th thinks he led a team all the way down the field when he just had to get that one yard for the touchdown. That's kind of what it is to be an iconic professional athlete in a provincial town, sports town like Pittsburgh in particular. Franco could have been the biggest creep in the world. People would still cheer for him. Terry Bradshaw has been inconsistent at best. He's a little weird about Chuck Knoll. All his teammates sort of say, yeah, we don't know what Terry's talking about. Chaz Knoll was very nice <laughs> to Terry compared to the way he treated the rest of us. So it's a little weird, but no matter at the end of the day, of course you cheer. Yeah, number 12 brought us those four Lombardis. Look at that pass to Stallworth in Super Bowl 14. But you know, for 40 years after he retired, he stayed in the community and it was not perfect for him. He embraced Joe Paterno after the scandal and that did not go over in Pittsburgh with a lot of people. He kind of was a part of a business group that almost pushed the Pittsburgh Penguins out of town. That did not go over. But ultimately, as you say, a, a, a lovely man. That's really the best word. He wasn't some gregarious wiseacre like Bradshaw as a for instance, but um. But yeah, I mean, you know, I had a similar experience. Eddie Spaghetti, you were there. Paul Rudd, at the height of his Ant-Man powers, comes out, comes over to us. We're on the red carpet at NFL Honors. And uh, it turns out Paul Rudd is a football savant about a certain era 
of the NFL, and he loved the Steelers, as was the way back then. Um, you had your local NFL team, plus you chose either the Cowboys or the Steelers. He landed on the right side of history with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he began just ticking off every guy from the Super Bowl teams. Like I, this guy, the backup tight end, war number blah, and all that. And Franco Harris comes up, and Paul Rudd swooned hard. Like, I, And it wasn't a put-on. He really could not believe that he was in the company of Franco Harris. And I saw him the next day, Paul Rudd. And I said, oh, man, that was such fun with you and Franco chopping it up and talking old uh, Steeler stories and everything else. And he said, listen, I've been to the Academy Awards. I, you know, I get this weird life here. I've met Jack Nicholson and Glenn Close. And that was a weird out-of-body experience. This was different. I got to meet Franco. Thank you so much. It was it was the coolest. This showbiz guy who's another sweetheart of a guy. But to your point, it really did speak of the impact that at a certain time, I think it's owed to as you know, on, on the day that the NFL announces all their games are going to YouTube and all that kind of stuff. It kind of does signal another time when consistently the Steelers were the early game and the Cowboys were the late game, plus your local team somewhere in the mix. That was what you got on Sunday uh, if you were watching football. And so you vibed to one of those teams and hard, and it was not just within Pittsburgh. It expanded beyond across uh, any any place in a, in a, on the face of the earth where people like football. And, um, you know, it's that's a, quite a run. 60 years or whatever it was for him, 50 years from the time he makes that play, you know, that, that you just never a stink of anything, never getting sideways, you know, outside of the couple little um, things that I mentioned there. Remarkable stuff. Anyway, I uh, I hope it's a great time. And like I say, that's a good place to jump in here. That is my goat, Franco Harris. And, you know, the thing that it reminds me of and, and uh, it makes me laugh so you can laugh at me and the people of Pittsburgh for this. But what it makes me think of people are like, are people really going to go? It's supposed to be like zero degrees to minus 10. On Saturday night, who's going to go? These are neither teams making the playoffs. I said, listen, did, did you see the English people in, in uh, September lining up for hours on end to, to see the Queen? People of Pittsburgh are going to show up and sit in that frigid cold as an unplanned wake for Franco Harris for our royalty, number 32. That's what's going to happen there. So that's my goat. My other goat this week is the arch rival of the 21st century, the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is getting weird with uh, Lamar Jackson's not playing already. We know that there's a chance they're not going to make the playoffs. And I know I've been talking about this for 10 months, at least now what's Lamar Jackson's future with this, with this Ravens team, but for real, they go Atlanta, then they go Pittsburgh. They should win those games, but they're neither one is guaranteed the way they're playing. Then they finish off at Cincinnati. There's a real chance. If they go one and two, they're going to miss the playoffs. And if they do there, I, I would say, why would they possibly bring Lamar Jackson back in that case? Two second half of seasons back to back. He gets hurt in big spots. How could you go forward if you're there? And Lamar Jackson will only have himself to blame for that. He should have said he should have held out and gotten that long-term deal. And I'm going to end up being right because the Chargers have a breezy schedule and the Dolphins have a chance of winning out here. And if they do, the the Ravens are going to miss the playoffs, which did not seem four or five or six weeks ago, like there was a remote chance that that might happen. So beware. And it's going to be fascinating to see in the AFC where there are these juggernaut superhero QBs. I think you take Lamar Jackson off that list. Now he better make some hay in the next three to six weeks. Or I, I think he goes off into the great unknown this off season. Hench, uh, you go next. For, for sure. Who's losing more money every week? 
Lamar Jackson or Tesla? <laughs> Ooh, Lamar Jackson to be the new CEO of Twitter. Yes. Easy peasy. It all uh, works out. Well, this is perfect. And the Paul Rudd tee up, um, you know, we can kind of make this our, our, I know you won't protest if we make this our black and gold uh, episode at the end of the year in honor of Franco. Um, so this is a real, I know sometimes I pitch something and you're like, well, is that a joke or is that real? This is real. Okay. This is real. And we're going to do it. And you know, when I say we're going to do something, be it a film or a television show, we're going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to our friends at Omaha. Of course, they don't know about it yet. I'm coming up with it on the fly, but it'll be called Two Days in January. All right. Now, okay. now Sal's documentary about the Mets was four days in October. Is that right? Sounds right. Sounds right. Yeah. Was that or four night? Four night. Uh, anyway, it was incredible. 86 Mets. Watch it if you haven't seen it. Uh, amazing job. Okay. So, my goat, because I, of course, was going back into the history. I share Paul Rudd's, you know, I, I believe he's a Chiefs fan. I'm a Patriots fan. But to your point, you had to choose one of those other teams, you know, in the playoffs. I chose correctly. I rooted for the Steelers. My uncle was from Pittsburgh. And uh, and so I know those teams inside and out, too. So the documentary we're going to make that Omaha is going to produce, Paul Rudd will uh, uh, be a big get for us. Uh, hey, we throw him a producer credit, just, you know, whatever. Uh, but so it's two days in January. It's January 29th and January 30th, 1974. Over the course of two days, this is who the Steelers draft. Okay, this is this this documentary. I, I Dick Haley is my go. Dick Haley is is, I believe, still alive. Like, and we can certainly get Todd Haley. We We can we can. We can do this documentary about those two days at the ambassador or whatever hotel they were at in New York. Spaghetti. Listen to this, okay? Six players from the 1974 draft year make the NFL Hall of Fame. Five of them are Pittsburgh Steelers. Literally, you could take your five guys were better than the rest of the draft. Now, this is also when they did 17 rounds. 442 players are drafted in 1974. This is who Dick Haley drafts. First round, Lynn Swan, Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Famer. Second round, 46th pick. Jack, Jack Lambert, Lambert, Kent State. Jack Lambert, Kent State. I, I'm sure it it was a reach, right? Small school, kind of a, a, a weird, an odd size for a, a middle line. 215 pounds, 6'4", 215. You know, uh, <laughs> re- redefines the position, Hall of Famer. Fourth round, John Stallworth has a better career than Lynn Swan. Like, he, Lynn Swan had the big moments. Stallworth had the big moments and the numbers, right? Right. Fifth round, Mike Webster, probably the best center of all time, Hall of Fame. Okay. So now you've got your four Hall of Famers from the the 442-person draft. Undrafted free agent Donnie Schell. That wasn't enough that they drafted four Hall of Famers. They they bring in another Hall of Famer as an undrafted free agent. This documentary, I mean, because you talk about the Immaculate Reception changing the trajectory of the franchise, but it's that draft that makes right. them a dynasty. I mean, 
And so when you're, you know, we're looking at like, like, you know, the Jets got pretty good overnight with that draft. Like it can happen pretty fast. And and, and no, nowhere was that more true than those two days in January 1974 when, you know, Dick Haley and when we make the documentary, we'll figure out who was in the war room, who was saying what. Um, all right, check. Who was the Bill other Nunn, Hall- another Hall of Famer was Bill Nunn, who really went into those HBCUs and, and found guys like Stallworth and Shell and a lot of those under the radar guys. That was the, that was the critical difference. Fats Holmes, LC. I mean, that, that, that is what swung things. That was the critical. Omaha Productions presents two days in January, two days that changed the world. Peyton, you'll love this. Peyton listens to, he he just kind of listens. And so we can just talk directly to him. 18. This is going to be dynamite. You're going to love this. Dynamite. I mean, I love it. Like Paul Rudd. I'm such a junkie for that era if I, you know, when I disappear into the wormhole and what got me going down that route was, um, you know, the reminder that Franco, you know, he got his touches, but he was a fullback and Lytle Mitchell was the tailback at Penn State. And right. Franco went 13th overall and Lytle Mitchell went at the top of the second round, like, you know, pretty early in the second round. And Lytle Mitchell was a nice pro, but somebody knew. Uh, one of these two guys is a Hall of Famer, and they they took the guy who only had 380 carries in his entire college career. So um, anyway, boy, so talk my- about a savant, Hench. You really are remarkable. With those, yes, everybody in Pittsburgh knows those details. I I wouldn't expect that someone who uh, was rooting for the New England Patriots at the time would would be well, that tuned I, into. I, but I, yes, I, you know, I had to also jump on the bandwagon quickly. Come playoff time, it was a cast system too. It meant more the drafts because. Once they were on your team, they weren't leaving if you liked them. That was you, you possessed those guys for basically as long as you wanted to have them. I'm free agency was huge. The other thing is, I did watch as a as a nerd, I watched the 1975 um AFC title game last night in honor of Franco, of course. And um, it is striking that the rules change and and that draft is prescient from the Steelers to get Swan and Stallworth because who could have foreseen? That in 78, they flipped the rules, the Mel Blunt rule, ironically or coincidentally. And now the Steelers flip a switch from, yeah, we're the run heavy team to like, yeah, we're going to throw it all over the place. And Terry Bradshaw is going to win the MVP because he for for taking all those deep shots. This was a funny turn in uh, in the way the Steelers were winning Super Bowls halfway through the run um, of those four uh, of those four Lombardis. Continue, Hedge. All right. So so Dick Haley, the Steelers, Franco. The 70s, our documentary, that's all in my collective good goat of the week. Okay. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. Have you been betting with Caesar Sportsbook and Casino app? If so, good job. Keep it up because every bet earns with Caesar's rewards. That means win or lose, you're getting closer to amazing perks like game tickets, free stays, bonuses, and more. And if not, well, when you do get started, your first bet is on Caesars. Register with promo code Omaha Full and place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, Congratulations. If you don't, you'll get your stake back as a free bet. 21 and over. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit $1,250. Must be used within 14 days of 
of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem, Arizona. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas. Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call one 800 9 with it, Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Bad goat. So, you know, we learn about the world as we grow older. Like, and um, I, I was once taught, I was told that, you know, if you're in a, at a remote outpost in Mexico and you're waiting for the bus, uh, it might not come. Like, it's not going to be an hour late. It just might not come at all this week. Like, all right, we'll try again next week. And when I was told that story, I was like, uh, that's unacceptable culturally. You guys got to get on that. That can't, you can't carry all your stuff back home because the bus is not coming this week. That's unacceptable. <laughs> that is unacceptable. Um, obviously, in Russia right now, there's no freedom. There's no freedom to protest. You can't affect your future. You can't go, we would like to live a different way. And as a result, we would like to vote for this guy or this guy. We would like to impact our liberty, our future. It's just accepted. You're prisoners in a large prison colony that's run by this madman that Eddie Spaghetti is yet to kill. Um, so it's like unacceptable culturally. Like your culture... You have to, Patrick Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death, right? It's like, now I have liberty, so I'm not as, as uh, so I appreciate Vladimir Zelensky's desire to share the liberty we enjoy, whereas, you know, Tucker Carlson's going the other way. Uh, Vladimir Putin never did anything to me, never did anything to me. Anyway, scumbag, hero, Zelensky, 
Uh, imagine having that much courage, the balls on that guy. I don't know how he walks around with balls that size. But so culturally, Russia, get, get your shit together. It's unacceptable. What's going on? Like may, after spaghetti offs the guy, I want some democracy in Russia. Okay. So you have these major cultural problems that people accept because they've been that way for so long. And I feel like we're reaching that point in America with the NFL officiating that we're so that we <laughs> that we just go, well, what do you expect? Or like, you know, we just kind of go, ah, that's like when I see the Raiders receivers <laughs> foot on the boundary, when I see a still picture of the guy being out of bounds, I go. 50 50 I don't know is the guy watching a Tom and Jerry cartoon under the hood I don't even know what he's looking at I know later ESPN is going to punch in on his foot being out of bounds and everyone's going to laugh everyone's going to have a good laugh at how out of bounds this guy is and how obvious it is hey they awarded a touchdown but don't worry no one will be talking about it because of this crazy play that came after it's like the game's over what the hell like but this is this is how we we are like Russians in how beaten down we are. Like we just, <laughs> so Terry McLaurin goes, Hey man, am I good here? And the linesman goes, uh, you should move up a little bit. Should move up a little bit. Okay. I'll move up a little bit. Sorry. Not enough. Like wait, this guy's not blocking on the play. It's a dive behind the center. You, he has nothing to do with the play. And you're so like, I didn't know. Like this person is a sociopath. This guy with his hand on his flag it needs to be taken out of society. Like what other things does he do in the rest <laughs> of his life that are like this flag on Terry McLaurin? But I mean, it goes, you know, the craziest thing about the Vikings greatest comeback of all time in NFL history, 33 zip. They come all the way back to unconscionable calls against the Vikings during the comeback. I mean, a complete phantom face mask call that changes 75 yards of field position on the Rager punt return. And then a down by contact call that no one has explained. I, you know what, like what that, that wild. Oh, oh no, no. Don't leave out the best part of that one though. That the ball plainly, he drops it, takes a couple more steps. It's laying on the ground. The guy picks it up and runs it into the end zone for a touchdown, except it's not a touchdown. And then when they say, no, no, I whistled that down. And we don't know if it's a turnover or not. The football player loses his mind, rightly. They throw a flag on him for showing emotion. And then when they see the replay and they should be red in their face, instead they say, can't behave like that on a football field personal file for for showing it's us up madness. but you suck you're the, uh, you know what is exactly right is what you said is i saw a lot of patriots fans saying after that like can't complain about the officiating you know we should have put that game away anyway we should have won it the chandler jones play was embarrassing you can't just pin it on that yeah you can the game's over if that's <laughs> not a touchdown and the and and the the inability to apply logic they've so backed themselves into the corner about like it's got to be conclusive like so unless he's tom dempsey all of a sudden catching that ball <laughs> like what do you mean what do you mean but logic and human right. physiology or whatever it is or by or whatever it would be like 
his half of his foot didn't magically just disappear. <laughs> we can do the math, right? Like his foot wouldn't end. Like, I don't know if the white of the shoe or whatever that, but we know, right? Was there anybody in question that I hadn't, well, thought, we about know I hadn't thought about the Tom Dempsey thing? If Cole, if Cole has half a foot, I'll take it back. The, the shoe. And then Blandino, the best is Blandino and all these other guys, Pereira and everybody, who they go to, who they thought were going to be a, a great salve on the wound of uh, of the angry fans at home watching on TV. Instead, it only makes it worse when they're like, yeah, that's a bad call. Ah, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know. I like, know why what? are you wired into the ear? Like, you know it. Yeah. You're Maybe, Instead of you talking to Joe Buck, how about you talk to the official down on the field and tell him like, yeah, you screwed that up. Just fix it real quick. And nobody else said, no, quick. four seconds yeah. are gone. And that's the end of it. Instead, it's like, you know, maybe the bus will come next week or maybe you'll live in a free society in another lifetime moving on. Like just like your 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 games that you live and die with can be ruined at any moment by these just completely incompetent. I mean, it's like, OK, I really genuinely I don't understand there are certain calls from this season like the Goddard face mask. Like nobody, none of you guys saw him being taken down by the face mask, but one of you eagle eyes saw a face mask on the Jalen Rager punt return when there was no face mask. Uh, and then the guy standing straight up and down and the ball's on the ground and he's down by contact. Like, I don't even know. Again. So obviously it's, I mean, it's reached a point you know, where virtually every game is being marred. I mean, obviously the roughing calls, uh, you know, and as I said and reiterated to Sal, I, I would rather watch an endless string of 10-7 games with third string quarterbacks than defensive ends levitating like the Matrix and still getting flagged. Like, it's so insane. It's so insane. So, Bad goat. Ooh, this maybe week. they need like some of those Tom Cruise strings for Mission yeah, Impossible to catch him before yeah. he makes full contact with it. That's something to consider. I like the here's All the right. question. Here's the question for you, Hedge, because I think we have to figure out the root cause here. One, our two days in January documentary is going to be great, but I volunteered us already. I really do think how will we know? whether the officiating can get better until we give all the officials a sabbatical for the year. They won't love it, but it'll be their chance. You know, sometimes you realize you appreciate things. It's uh, you know, if you love something or hate something, let it go and see if it comes back to you. Let's let the referees go and you and me, and you know what? Sal can come too. We'll gather around. We'll watch all the games together. We'll have a beer while we're doing it. And the games will go much more quickly. And I guarantee you, this is the Damashek guarantee. We will be way more accurate than the current system is. Starting with Cole's foot is obviously out of bounds. Why wouldn't they have reversed that? Like, well, you can't see. Yeah, but you understand that a foot would not didn't break in half. They did they didn't bind his foot. Like he's a a sixteen year old kid, or in in uh, anyway, yes. Here's the big question I have. I've asked it before. What kind of human being wants to be a referee? Who <laughs> Look, who grows up? That that's what's diabolical about these guys. Who would want that job? Has anyone in the history of people ever said, you know? I'm I'm nine years old. I love watching the games. I love it every week. I get together with my, I love it. You know what I'd like to be? I'd like to be the officiant. I'd like to be the rule monger of this thing. Who would, who wants that job? You're a weirdo by definition. And that's the thing we have to figure out so we can move it, forward. It is with a better very society. weird. 
you know, where you're like, well, I love the sport. I wasn't good enough to play. I wanted to stay connected to it. But like some of these guys aren't even athletes. But uh, so I always wanted to be a back judge. I always wanted, I always wanted to be a line judge. It's I totally wish to lord the rules over everybody else. Like, what a weirdo. The, what, you, what would you, you get turned down for the, for the, the lunch lady gig where you could lord over little children with your dumb rules. And this was your fallback to wear a striped shirt. You weirdo. The, the craziest kind of one that? of all though. Like, so, you know, it, it, we don't like, we know the ref's names and then occasionally you'll get a, you'll, you'll, someone will do the reporting to get you the, the back judge's name, you know, like you'll get a name on the person who blew the game. But the, the position where I was thinking exactly what you're saying is like, when I'm watching the world cup final and it is a guy it's not a t- it's like yeah there are linesmen but you're the referee who's going to be calling the penalties with several billion people watching 600 million of which would happily kill you if you f this up like it's like soccer fans are insane soccer officiating is insane the amount of power you have for basically awarding goals I'm going to award you a goal like, you know, and so they, you know, they've definitely tried to back up the ref with some replay as well. But that of all the psychosis, I want to referee the World Cup final like that person should not be allowed around. Let's prove our worth to the NFL and then we can go global with it. I will say, because it was a topic of discussion around the World Cup and it was everybody swoon, greatest sporting event of all time. I just, like I say, I miss it. I'm sorry. I'm not diminishing the sport. I'm saying I just miss it a little bit, but it was exciting and everything. But I have to say again, World Cup overtime needs to trade NFL overtime and uh, back and forth with each other. NFL should be a full period. Then it's not weird reduced to like, Put the put the little guy who can make a 58 yard field goal to end the game in, in a weirdly anticlimactic vibe. Conversely, soccer, like why if somebody scores in overtime, like what would be more exciting than that? It's akin to hockey. That's if, you if, want if, that. If that game had ended with the golden goal, or you know, if they just continue on, I mean, obviously, penalty kicks, that game was getting into the pantheon of all time greatest sporting events, whether you know. Even as a as a neutral who doesn't get it, I promise you, it was going up the list minute by minute as you know the greatest of his generation against the greatest of the next generation go it toe to toe. Right, and right. then as soon as it goes to penalties, it starts dropping. You know, below Ali Frazier, below U.S. Russia hockey. Like it's like it's just dropping because it is being decided by like a. a a Chris Boswell, Justin Tucker field goal contest at the end of an NFL game. Like what's happening. Imagine like if the NHL went to shootouts for game seven of the Stanley cup, like we're not going to keep playing. And this idea it's like, why is it to like other sports decided on the field? We'll play until it's decided, but soccer, they've decided no, no, no. After 30 minutes of extra time, we're going to do this thing that everybody hates. In the championship round, I get you have to cut to the chase at some point with like quarterfinals and stuff, but not for the title game. That's that's really where it's too bad um, that it's not like that. And then and then the other hand, like I say, I I find it unsatisfying how many of these games come down to what are increasingly long kicks. It's kind of like 
unsatisfying. Well, you, hey, you got to the 40 and you have Justin Tucker or one of those big leg guys like, yeah, that's a, that's the end of overtime. It, it is kind of this weird offshoot of this fringy element of the game. I know you kick an extra point and a lot of field, but it doesn't feel like that's being settled by the people who got us to this point in the game. What you're going to run the kicker out there. Cause, cause the well, guy got a ball. Funny, the and- I, I think it was my, I think I had my first league ever with no kickers this year. I support I that. like, I was like, why are we, why are kickers still a part of fantasy football? Like we, as citizens, we can't do anything about the fact that they have a lot to do with the game itself, but as fantasy participants, Nobody should be picking a kicker up off the waiver wire. Like it's insane. Just eradicate this part of the game. Yeah. Um, By the way, let's, let's make that movie too. We should make a movie about a referee savant, you know, like he grows up just like, uh, uh, like Ken Griffey Jr. But for referees, you're born into a family of referees and, uh, and we take it from there. So you see, work that out with your fancy writer friends. I think there's a fun, uh, well, there is a Hockley, right? We got a new Hockley. Oh, yes, that's correct. And the two brothers in the NBA. Or wait, the one was an NBA and one was an MLB umpire. Anyway, all right, uh, Spaghetti. We got to get to our best bets. Take it away with your goat and goat. Yeah, I'll go through these quickly. Uh, my quick good goat, um, two players. I'm going to stay local. Saquon Barkley, Dex Lawrence made the Pro Bowl from the Giants. So bring them up. Uh, obviously, number one, Saquon returning from the devastating injury. I remember on this pod uh, and talking, you know, Hench bringing it up that a guy that's just built the way he is, his shelf life may not be long. And I did agree with Hench, but uh, luckily he came back and it's pretty much the driving force as to why the Giants are, are where they are right now, looking like they're going to get a playoff spot, especially on offense. But the defensive side of the ball, Dexter Lawrence, a guy that was, for some reason, the best player on that Clemson D-line years back, the third one taken in the draft, uh, having a dominant season and really was their anchor on defense all year long. So those two players, the reason why the Giants are in this, the position they are in now and um, sticking with that, that Clemson reference with college football, and I'm sure you guys have seen on Twitter and stuff, we're in the um, <laughs> That's the, the best the, the couple of weeks right now where you, you're seeing a lot of um, signings happening with college, a lot of tra- uh, transfers are happening. And um, Oregon made a lot of hay yesterday because of obviously their their deals with Nike, so a lot of the NIL money, and they're getting a lot of top high end four star five star recruits. And then you have these people complain on Twitter, being like these these top schools are buying up all the players, and it just makes me think and go like, hmm. I forget the era of college football where the best players were not going to the best teams. Like nothing has really changed beyond this. And to take it a step further, um, and you guys may disagree with me on this one, but like Deion Sanders uh, going from uh, from Jackson State to Colorado and bringing the number one recruit in the nation last year, he's going with his coach uh, and he's getting a lot of flack for that. To me, the beauty of this new era of college football is letting a player who did not pick, he picked the school for the coach and then if the coach leaves, he has to stay at the school, which to me does not make sense. So I like the fact that he could leave with with the coach and I understand the significance of, of, of Sanders going to Jackson State, obviously a, a, a historical black college and they want to build those up. But also there's a beauty in it of of Dion going to Colorado and then you know possibly in a few seasons competing and winning the Pac-12 and making them back to a national you know prominence level um so I'm rooting for coach prime and I think it's a great thing that he could bring his players he brought in uh because I think he has a chance to obviously get more black coaches in better positions uh going forward so I I just think there's been a lot of complaining in college football going on that's why it's getting my bad goat the good school. Oh, wait a second. I thought, players. I thought you were, 
When you mentioned Dabo or Clemson, I thought you were going to say Dabo. Oh, no, I wasn't uh, going to go into that. Yeah, on NIL. the NIL yeah. saying, like, yeah, naming image likeness of God. That's what our <laughs> Only if Notre Dame just took that slogan before he did. Hey, Dabo. Hey, hey Dabo. Just to be clear, you're talking about yourself as God, right? That's that's the insinuation, right? I mean, that's I'm I'm picking up what you're laying down, right, Pally? Um, continue, spaghetti. But that that's just really it. But there's always going to be some level of complaining, and I've seen some prominent, you know, verified people on Twitter who are, you know, going after Dion and and the recruits, and I, I hate that. And people crushing Oregon. I know Jeff Schwartz, our pal, was defending them, and I totally agree with Jeff. It's like. This is not new to college football. It wasn't like we were seeing a bunch of teams like Marshall or Kent State get these top end players. Like it's still the best schools getting the best players. And uh, that this is how college football is going to be, whether you like the structure of it or not. So I just can't say the people who complain because, you know, you're going to end up watching on Saturdays next fall anyway. Well, um, yeah, the the NIL stuff and everything, I, I'm all for it spiritually and philosophically that these kids obviously should be allowed to go and play wherever they want, just like their coaches do. It does. It feels a mess, though. It's, it's so all over the place. It's hard to keep track of. But that's a minor concern. But I think people are turning in like this is uncomfortable for me because I don't know where that guy is and what how to project next year with this team based on the way I've always done things like. OK, but but the kids freedom is more important than all of that. Right. You're just afraid of the change of it. That's that's my point. Hench, I'm sorry. What were you saying? Well, I just I had a funny uh, I caught primetime's press conference where he's they're they're interviewing about what what what's what's up what are you doing and so i don't know somebody insinuates that it's a money grab and he says he says he goes he goes uh money doesn't move me i move money laugh 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 okay fine but it's like um you've never said no to a commercial endorsement you love money you love that affleck money that's fine you're american go go get that paper don't pretend you don't love money. Don't pretend that you're just doing the Lord's work and you're going to do it in Boulder now. Like, it's like, it's fine. It's fine. The kids deserve money. Everybody loves money. Nobody gets a check and goes, oh, so it's, it, my day just got a little worse. Money arrived. Everyone loves money. But like <laughs> listening to primetime, who, by the way, I think one of the smartest self-marketers, like, he was arriving in a limo in college. Like he was building a brand before anyone knew that was a thing. Like he's like, I am a brand and I'm, and I'm one of the five greatest athletes to ever walk the planet, of course. But it's like, yeah, you should cash in on that. And that's okay. Just don't insult us by saying. Right. I, I completely money. agree. Super charismatic. And it transcends like what's it been 20 years since he played and current players. You don't see that vibe that often but current guys love Dion still I'm talking about NFL guys and 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 college kids as well you know I hear the complaints so because to your point Hedge, yeah if if this isn't about money then isn't it sort of you're you're not beholden to Jackson State for the rest of your life but if it's about resurrecting that then how better to do that than stay at Jackson State instead of going off to Colorado? It's going to be a fascinating few years to see how it works there in uh, in uh, in Boulder. All right, let's get to our best bets. By the way, allows what I was thinking of in between us doing extra points and minus three. At the end of extra points, we talked about the Rangers and Penguins game. Eddie Spaghetti said, well, Penguins fans are a loser fan base because they boo Jacob Truba for playing physical, and that's wrong. 
And he said, like, yeah, but we say Podvin sucks. So what's the difference? I, I thought of another one, Eddie Spaghetti. Rangers fans, after Pelly Lindbergh, the Philadelphia Flyers goalie, died they, in, driving his Porsche, they chanted, drive a Porsche, Pelly, drive a Porsche. That's worse than booing Jacob Truba. You'll admit that, right? I said, I made it clear in EP. I said the Rangers fans even boo Sidney Crosby the puck. What has Sidney Crosby done on a, a personal level? Like nothing. I'm okay with fans hating players. I just think that a lot of the Penguins fans' hatred towards Truba is unfortunately going to change the way the game is played. We already don't see fights. And I'm sorry. I'm I'm unapologetically, I'm pro hitting. I'm pro checking. I'm pro players playing physical. Like years ago, this would never been a question. And I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see hitting out of the game because of the player safety thing. And I I just again it may be harsh i just don't agree with it i understand i think players need to know the risks of they're signing up for i don't think these players would stop playing in the nhl the nfl you know etc so i just think it's one of those uh you know it, it, it your team obviously was negatively affected by your best player having concussions and i said that before that it's it's awful no one roots for that but like i just don't think they should change the game because of it and if true was what he was doing was so bad then explain to me why there's been zero suspensions so that's all i'm going to say I know it's weird, but yeah, I, I I don't have the answer. We went over it uh, at great length last week. We talked about it some more on extra points. I don't know what the solve is because it's just, it is bigger, faster, stronger is what it comes down to. Like those guys skating at each other in open ice, the, the blow ups. It's like Scott Stevens on Eric Lindros ended Lindros's high end portion of his career but that was an anomaly when that happened. Like now it happens every week to somebody. So I don't know what the solution is, but they're just too big and fast to be colliding like that. The guy, the, the, the physical toll it takes is just way worse than it was 25, 40 years ago. I think um, a couple thoughts. One, uh, our, our pasta Crosby Panarin thing, it's really heating up. I mean, these oh, three it's getting guys good, are, huh? are so tightly grouped. It's going to be fun to the end when we're in Vegas We'll come up with a good number uh, for us to to bet each Great. other. Um, Four losses for the Bruins, thirty one games in. Insane. It's crazy, it's insane. But. To your spaghetti, wait, wait, wait. About that game. That was a great game. It was a fun game. Don't put the Penguins on the power play right now is the lesson, obviously. Um, for whatever reason, they flipped the switch and have become lethal. Um, but um, you thought that bread man shot with uh, or no, it was Mika with a minute to go that Jari got right over his head. That was a weird one, right? Well, he was Wait. he was tripped. Your broadcast said it was a trip. I wasn't. I, I just think the game was lost by then. So they would have had a power. They probably would have had a six on four for a minute. Oh no, that one was terrible. No, I'm yeah. talking about the, the the laser that he unloaded with about a minute to go. That Jari um, gloved like in front of like mm -hmm. by his head. It was like oh, I, I was yeah. Really like, I'm I'm not oh, too upset about that. I'm not too upset about the game because the Rangers were the better team. The first and the third, um, you said it, don't put them on the power play. They And not only were they penalties, they were just the dumbest penalties the Rangers took. Like Sammy Blay should be out of the lineup for what he, how poorly he played. Um, and the Rangers beat Jari, but two of the shots they beat him on, one hit a crossbar, one hit a post. So, you know, it was one of those games. But it was a weird first goal too. So that offset that in my mind. But the, uh, yeah, the, I do like that Blay, man. That's that obviously the, that's what the Penguins need is a guy like that. That, that guy's a moose. Jesus. Well, um, all right. Just real quick. Cause you know, you yeah. mentioned the bigger, faster, stronger and how guys are going down. And so then you go, you know, it's funny, you know, uh, pasta likes to kind of steer clear of, of, of contact as Panarin does. Sydney mixes it up a little bit. But when you're looking at like, Gretzky's like, well, I'm going to avoid all contact in perpetuity, and there's going to be a league-wide rule 
you also can't hit me. So we're going to play pond hockey in this crazy era of inflated goal totals. Then you fast forward to Ovechkin, who's never avoided a hit. He's never ducked out of a hit. He's delivering. He's taking punishment. He's delivering. How is this guy in, in seriously going to make a run at 894 goals? It's insane. The, the amount of contact he's taken in his career and not avoided. And, and it's, you know, he says Russian machine never breaks. It's, it's bonkers that that guy, it, it just, just plays every night and, and never, and never goes on the he's show. He's still out there banging around on the four check, man. He is, he's, you know, I will say, you know, from an offensive standpoint, he is not on, on Crosby's level. Um, totally, obviously as a goal scorer, he's superior, but, um, the one thing he does do and has for his entire career is man, he is scary on that four check. He is, uh, he's a human hammer. He, I mean, but at this age, he's still doing it. It's really wild. And I'll tell you what is, uh, an anomaly by hockey standards is Crosby and Ovechkin still doing this at their ages. The guys don't put up these kind of numbers this deep into their career. So good for those two guys. And also good for Vinny Trocek. I'm still happy with Gino Malkin. I'll uh, take the same situation as the offseason spaghetti, but that was nice uh, that the Pittsburgh kid had a, a nice game, including the that nifty move to get past the defenseman there to make it a one-goal game. And now a quick break. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, NFL. Or if you want to go college, and matter of fact, you can go all sports. What am I saying? Pro football. Any sport you want. Hench, start us off. Best bets. Okay, so I um have been disappointed in the Bills not covering at home two weeks in a row. Um, I think that, you know, that roughing the punter against the Dolphins, you know, kind of effed up that game. And then the um, taking a safety against the Jets, you know, I mean, they, 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 I keep thinking they've turned the corner. You know, I just think that team is is peaking, is is starting to get some of their swag back. It just hasn't translated into them covering. They still that, don't have Von Miller, and they're not going to. And I'll tell you, my big takeaway from that game was the Dolphins are in a nice under-the-radar spot here. I think they leave that game thinking like, see, we can beat anybody. Look at what we just did. A play here Absolutely. or there, and, and we leave that one. I they like played, the Dolphins they, more they than ever. Really, they they proved you know almost as much to me in defeat as they have in any of their victories. I thought they looked like a very complete team against the Bills, despite losing. 
But this week, the Bills, the, the Bears are not going to keep that within a score. Like that, that mm-hmm. is not, I, I refuse to believe that a team, uh, I, you know, the, the Bears got the late cover against the Eagles. I picked them, but uh, I, I just, I can't, That I, I think the Bills are going to, start to separate a little bit down the stretch here in December and they get, they get a, a team that would probably rather not win this game and, and just a defense that is, that's is a good not- point. I really hadn't thought about we're close enough to the end where the bears are probably like, eh, listen, have a good game. Stay safe though, Justin, Stay that's safe. the most yeah. important. So, You're right. and, yeah, and, that, uh, you might be right there as a, as opposed to Tyreek, Tyreek Hill and Waddle, who I think really expose the, lumber on the bills that that you know they can lower the boom which will work against montgomery and fields uh but the the bears can't can't split the safeties and stretch the field so uh i i like the bills to cover the eight and a half um i also like them not surprisingly i would tease it down to two and a half and then tease the seahawks up to 16 i hmm. i've had it with that's a good teams. bet I've had it with these chiefs. I I keep waiting for them to play a complete game. You know, they're not actually going to lose the game. So none of my anti chiefs bets from the beginning of the season will cash because they always figure out a way to win the game, but they've played so many mediocre games. Now I'm like, maybe they're a mediocre team with a great quarterback. Like there's maybe they're just not, maybe they're not a great team. So, so I, I think if you, if you tease the Seahawks up to 16, uh, I, I think that that'll be a, a typical Chiefs victory. One score should have been more. Um, I then- agree. And these are the, that's the high end, the two AFC teams. And the Eagles are the only really good team on the NFC side. Sorry to Brock Purdy's Niners. Um, Brock Purdy is your quarterback. Uh, the the So you have the Eagles and you have those two teams and the Bungles, I would say, are your four best teams, your four most likely teams. And are you wild by any of them, this side of the Eagles? I mean, the Eagles are mighty, but you still have the factor of cynic or not. Like, okay, Jalen Hurts, do it in January. And then, then you know, we're all in. But until he does that, it's fair to say we don't know what's going to be there. And on the other side of things, like, I'm with you completely. Is, are these Mahomes Chiefs just, are you wild by them? I'm wild by a couple of plays. And I know we have to take the social media to be like, I can't believe Mahomes threw it under his leg. And through his armpit and it went and it was like, all right, but the team still struggles to get past the Houston Texans and whoever else they're playing week after week. I'm just, it's, it's unsat this whole season. It, the bottom line is starting to be a Grinch, but it's just not great. Let, but at least let's make sure we get those teams playing each other in the late rounds in the AFC playoffs. Let's see Herbert go to KC. I, so that that's the one I most want to see here. Continue. Um, so we'll jump to Herbert. Uh, you know, the Colts, I mean, we were, everyone was on the Vikings. Why is this line so low? And then it's 33 to nothing and we're all texting each other. I guess this is why this line was so low. The Vikings stink. And then greatest comeback in NFL history still doesn't make any sense. Uh, almost makes it impossible to handicap the Colts and Vikings. I don't know, like, does it matter that Jonathan Taylor's out? What difference does any of it make? But, and I know I was, we spent the whole summer on the Chargers the Chargers started dropping like flies, losing guys, losing games. We had to abandon the Chargers. I'm back on the Chargers. I know. I'm uh, with you. It's so hard for I'll, me. I want to text them late that, at night. I'll, I'll lay that four and a half uh, against a team that, I mean, come on, Colts. 
It's time to pack it in. I mean, you kind of packed it in. You, you managed to cover last week despite giving up 36 straight points. Um, but but I think, you know, this is this is put up or shut up for the Chargers. Like, are you for real? And um, the Colts certainly are not for real. Chargers should be able to, to cover that number. Um, last well, I'll week- tell you this. The thing I would say is we had a great conversation, me and uh, the two Megans and uh, Eddie Spaghetti the other day on minus three. Uh, Megan Fun of Sports, of course. Megan Connolly helped me break up with the Chargers, and, and now I'm starting to rethink that. I don't know if I should get back in with the Chargers because last week was the one. That's the spot where the Titans, where Derrick Henry trucks them typically. And you say like, see, they're still the Chargers. They're just a little bit too soft to take seriously. That they won that game in the manner it was, low point total and everything else. I feel like that was their big breakthrough. I'm kind of with you on these Chargers. Agreed. Um, And then last week, you know, after a terrible week two weeks ago, I feel like I righted the ship with the Jaguars money line. And I liked the Giants last week against the Commanders. And I'm going to – and. And I'm looking at that Vikings Giants line, and it's funny because they're like, no, Vegas still doesn't respect the Vikings. Like, it's like, you know, you're like, why, why are the Giants getting what they got against the commanders? Like the Vikings, the Vikings are are running away with that division. Like, why nobody respects them? And this time, this week, I'm not going to be fooled. I'm going to take the points with uh spaghetti's giants. Who who I I you know thought played very well against the Commanders. Uh, you know when they when a team knows you have to run the ball, and you bang off three ten plus yards runs in a row when they're they're stacking the box against Saquon and he's just chewing up yards. It was so physical. Um, so I, I think the uh, I think the Giants are getting well, and I like them getting four in many. Those are those are the ones that jump off the board at me. Well, those are, uh, I think, Spaghetti joins us. He's he's uh, a little more cautious about that one. Yes, I'm with you on the Giants winning that one straight up. Um, I The one that is weird to me is why is that Cleveland number so low? Browns at home. I know it's going to be frigid. Neither team is really playing for anything at this point. But still, two and a half at home are the Cleve Brownies against this bum Saints team. I, oh, sorry. Uh, it's now minus three. But um Either way, I like uh, I like the Browns. I'm not even sure why the number's so low, and the total on that one is 32. It'd be funny if it goes under, but I'm going to go over in that one. These are two pro football teams in 2022. <laughs> Come on, 32. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers. It's a spiritual atmosphere on Saturday night. I get why that could cause an emotional letdown, in fact. But as our pal and uh, uh, previous guest here on Minus 3, Scott Pianowski, points out practically, Derek Carr has been lousy during his career in the cold. Mike Tomlin's going to have the Steelers up for this one. I like the Steelers at home. I like the commies plus wherever, depending on where you're seeing it, plus seven, maybe plus eight. I mean, I'm sorry to be a, a cynic at, at the season of uh, of celebration and holiness and everything, but I don't buy Brock Purdy. This has to end at some point, and the commies can grind you up and stay in a game because of the style of ball that they play, and Chase Young is back, and so perhaps that defense is going to show up against the preeminent defense of 2022 I totally in San agree. Francisco. We are, we are, our cards are almost identical this week. I, I, I love the Steelers. Like, come on, do it for 32, right? Do it for 32. Uh, and 
I like the commies getting that big number. Like, you know, they're physical. They're they're they have a good defense. That's going to be a slog. Um, I like Minshew as my one of my uh, one of my points, recurring points is if you're a Gardner Minshew, you have proven repeatedly now you can go in and win a game or two or three. The problem is you cannot be the starter on day one and make the playoffs over 17 games if Gardner Minshew. But in the short uh, short term, Minshew is going to show up and the Eagles are going to have his back. They're going to play a different kind of ball than they would have. This probably heats them up a little bit, in fact, that they are going down to Big D. Um, I think they're going to circle the wagons around him. So I, I like the Eagles. Um Plus the five and a half still. Yeah, plus the five and a half. And uh, I, I like him as my pup of the week to win outright. And I said already the Dolphins, although I don't know if you saw that spaghetti where you, you were watching the Penguins broadcast the other night when they showed that like the best records over the last four years in the month of December across all sports. And um, the Packers in four seasons now have not lost a game in December, which is weird. But on the other hand, what application does it have in the here and now? None, really. Who cares about what happened in uh, in 2019? So I'm going to take the Dolphins, lay in four, and I like that one to go over the 49 and a half. There you have them, my best bets. And I go back to Eddie Spaghetti's pick from three weeks ago, just as a reminder, take the Ohio State Buckeyes. I like them to win the whole thing. I think that's what's going to end up happening. I think that was a a savvy play. The The juice is not as great as it was when Spaghetti mentioned it, but I still think it's a, it's a fun one. People just assume, ah, four seed and Georgia, and then they already lost. They, they don't have a chance. Yeah, I think they're going to end up winning the whole thing. Spaghetti, take it away. So this is like the week of backup quarterbacks. Um, the one game that I wish the line was a little bit be, uh, bigger on, the, the Texans taking the Titans. Titans are at home. Malik Willis taking over for Ryan Tannehill after the year. They're only getting three points. The Texans, I wish it was a little bit more like this Falcons-Ravens game. The Falcons are getting six and a half. I know Desmond Ritter had a brutal, brutal uh, debut start. But um, again, this is uh, backup quarterback versus backup quarterback. I'm not really sure if Desmond Ritter is the guy of the future, but he can't be as bad as he was last week. Can only look up. So I like them getting almost a touchdown, the six and a half there. Another game with a backup quarterback is not only their second string, it's their third string quarterback for the Cardinals. Trace McSorley has been pretty underwhelming in his uh, you know little NFL career here. Uh, the Bucks giving seven and a half. I just think Tom Brady will. I, I, I mean, I know the Bucks have not been great, but I, I just can't see a world where Trace McSorley is going to get the best of Tom. I mean, how bad do you have to be, Tampa Bay, to not hammer these Arizona Cardinals, given where they are right now, to exactly. Spaghetti's point? It's a, they, they, yes, you see that number. You're like, what? Oh, all oh, right. It's Trace McSorley's Cardinals. Yes, of course, the Bucs should steamroll that team. Yeah, in this game, uh, not exactly a backup quarterback. Uh, I did pick him up off the waiver wires, but ba Baker Mayfield for the Rams. Uh, Broncos giving two and a half. I do like the Broncos in this one. The Rams down their center for the rest of the year. Ben Skoranek out. Like their their weapons are like Van Jefferson and like Tutu out. Well, it's almost as bad as like the Giants receiving core. Um, I, I Baker, you know, Peyton said some interesting stuff on the broadcast about how that Baker still doesn't understand stuff in the offense, like how to kill emotion. And he's like, he probably has a few more weeks for that. And I, you know, you don't really think of these things, but he's, he's only been there for such a short amount of time and all of their best players on offense are gone. And I know the Broncos offense has been pretty bad, but I still think Russ has it in him to win this game by a field goal. So I like the, the Broncos. Uh, I like it too. And I, I want to say again, cause I've said it, it occurred to me watching the Rams last game up in green Bay, where people were kind of going into that one, feeling good about Baker Mayfield's 
a happy three minutes the week before. This is in 56 years, 57th year of the Super Bowl era. This Rams team has got to be in the top three biggest disgraces as a defending champ we've seen, right? I mean, this is like so weird. And you're in Los Angeles, so there's no residual buzz about the team. Like, oh, those good times. Uh, we should get nobody cared at the time. Nobody still cares about it around here. It's weird and unsatisfying. This whole but I I LA think Rams it speaks experience. to. I mean, it's weird. You know, Cooper Cup is such an insane equalizer. You're like. I don't like how can this guy at this position flip the game entirely? Everyone knows you're going to throw to him. He still puts up these crazy numbers. And then so when he went down and then Stafford goes down, like it, yes, it's going to be an embarrassing disgrace post Super Bowl. But like, you know, you you lose a non quarterback and your season just collapses. It's weird, right? Like. Their 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 roster was pretty good, but that guy is such an outsized part of what they do um, that you know they just had no chance as soon as he went down. I agree, but it also had a stink on it, like almost immediately. Like maybe Aaron Donald's just going to retire now, and Sean McVay may not come back. That's probably not a good buzz to have going on. In in well, retrospect, had that Dave Dave Dombrowski baseball thing of like we went all in and we did it. Yeah, right. And we are. Uh, just going to relax. Wow. That's a, that's a proud comp to be able to claim like, yeah, we did it. Like the Florida Marlins did it. Everybody. Um, any more there spaghetti? Yeah. Just to round it out. I'll keep it with LA chargers giving four and a half. Uh, this is a, a classic one team on the rise, one team on, on the downfall. I said weeks ago, obviously when they made the move to Sam Ellinger, I'm like, this team wants to tank. They're done with the Phillip rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan experiments. They want their quarterback of the future. They hired Jeff Saturday with just a PR move, just a, a guy that was familiar with the organization, put him as a figurehead. He's going to try to lose out the game. They lost the, the, the biggest lead ever the biggest collapse ever in NFL history. That's not a game where you rebound from. You're like, rah, rah, we got this guys. That is like as deflating as possible. And your best player, Jonathan Taylor is out for the season. And now you move to Nick Foles. Um, you know, Nick Foles is better than Sam Ellinger. I'm not sure at this point, how much more Matt Ryan has left in the tank. Maybe Foles is the best option at quarterback. Still does not matter. Chargers are playing pretty good football right now. And I think this four and a half is might be the, probably the easiest pick in the entire week. I think we all agree on that one. Nick Foles, I know it's a fun story and from Philadelphia that was only five years or so ago, but if you saw him play in the few shots he's gotten since then, he stinks. He's bad, and you are exactly right. Without Jonathan Taylor, the Chargers better steamroll this team, or I'll be happy once again well, that I, let that me, I dumped Let me ask you this, since we're, most people will be listening maybe after the fact, but you, know, you historically uh, have been pretty hard on Doug Peterson who turned Nick Foles into Johnny Unitas. Uh, what what do you think happened in that Jets-Jaguars game that's already happened? I do, I've not been hard on Peterson. I, 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 I caution anybody about letting him ever leave Jacksonville again. Look, he, he did the impossible. He won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. Then he takes over for Herb, who is supposed to be a savior and completely turns that team around. I think... This game, I, I, by the way, I nailed it last week when we did our um, you sure did. You preview sure did. review. Um, I think this one's hard to judge because I don't know who's not going to respond well to frigid temps. And that is a real thing. When guys start getting run into, some guys just quit. Um, they, they don't want that. They, they don't want that contact. I like the Jags in this one. Um, 
And, you know, it's just so flawed that you're running Zach Wilson out there and he hears all week, like, are we sure Mike White with those bad ribs can't go? Definitely not. Okay, you're up again, Zach. It's just not good. I just feel like people were underrating the Jags and then everyone ran. Now everyone's run over to the Jags. Like right in the in the course of of two weeks, it was like nobody believed in the Jags and now they're going to win the division. Right. It just it was like immediate, which leads me to go. Which, by the way, they all those teams in the division stink is the answer. So don't yeah. get too wild so about I, any. I think the Jets play with some pride at home, and I think they won. They won that game that's already happened. Your Patriots better win this weekend, or that that their goose is cooked. Keep your eye on that Ravens team too. If they can't handle the Falcons, that's it for them too. They're going to get overtaken. They're going to miss, and that'll launch things into a weird place. Anyway, like we say, was that it, Spaghetti? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, all wrapped up. Oh, that was your last one. Okay, listen, everybody, have a wonderful Christmas time. Hope you get to spend it with your family wherever they are. Happy Eddie Spaghetti, you're there with uh, with the gang up in Staten Island. Best to all of them. Uh, Hench, glad you and your mom and uh, and the little girls are all going to be able to gather here in the Valley of, uh, of California, wherever you are. Enjoy it. I'm going to sit there, watch the TV, think about my sister Amy, who's going to be freezing out in the stands honoring Franco and all the good times we had 40 years ago, plus watching those Pittsburgh Steelers. I wish I could be out there on the banks of the Three Rivers, but instead... Um, we'll gather with the family out here. And uh, like I say, wherever you are, I hope it's a happy one. And 2022 ain't done yet. We have one more show to go, right? Spaghetti, one more. Or do we do two more next week? I believe we'll do one more next week. It'll probably be the well, same. T- it'll be a Thursday show. Guess what? It's only one left. You know what that means, Hench? It means it's the Shecky Awards. It's the 33rd annual best fruit, best movie I watched. I have 400 windows open including the football trivia thing that I send you, you know. Oh, I got it. I got to dig that up. You sent one earlier and I didn't uh, uh, I didn't take a look uh, at such it. Such a good one. I've also got my extra points picks up that I'm sending uh-huh. to meatballs. And I it's funny because I'm on I was on the Cowboys and the Rams and then Spaghetti talked me into the Broncos and you almost talked me into Minshew. But I'm going to hold firm on the Cowboys giving five and a half. Yeah, I, I, well, we talked about that on extra points. I encourage you, nay, demand you go listen to that for my thoughts on why I got the Eagles and why I'm a little down on the Cowboys going into this game. Uh, make sure you're checking out all the great stuff on extra points. And like I mentioned at the very top of the show, looking forward to seeing you, anyone who is in Vegas or traveling there on uh, January 9th. Watch the national title game with us, 2 to 3.30, and then immediately after, or meet with us, and then after, watch the national football game. And then we're also going to be at the Kimmel Comedy Club the day before, that Sunday. Watch all the Week 18 games here. Hench can tell you about the officiating. He'll complain about it. All that stuff going on that weekend coming up in Vegas. Can't wait for it. We got to start booking, uh, what we're calling. We got to start booking uh, interviews for two days in January. Oh yeah, we got we got we're gonna be busy this coming year, Hench. That's the bottom line. The extra points live Propapalooza. Get your tickets uh at Ticketmaster and Vegas.com. Like I say, happy holidays, everybody. We'll talk to you next week for the 37th annual Shecky Awards. And by the way, I forgot to say, Hench and Spaghetti are teaming up to provide the GOAT and GOAT of 2022. That's their new award that they get to give out there. So uh, looking forward to hearing that one and beyond. uh, In the meantime, like I say, 
Have a Merry Christmas. Hope you get uh, everything you want. And, uh, and we'll talk to you on the other side of the weekend. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>